Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everyone. I added a lot of two hellos. There was too many hellos in that one. Hmm. I gotta stop with that hellos. Hello, 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 hello. That was four hellos. That's a lot. I usually say like, hello, hello. It's like usually two. Maybe I just need to stop the hellos to begin with. What Unless is, you guys how like would you it. open? Do you guys like the hello hellos? What would you say? Tweet me. Let me know. Greetings. <laughs> Salutations. <laughs> Felicitations and Hello there. Prithy. Prithy, my good king. Well, welcome to New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. Which is Tammany Hall, but it's only for ghosts. Exclusively for ghosts. Exclusively for ghosts. Just kidding. It's not for, just for ghosts. Also sometimes aliens. And sometimes. Murders. And, and, and jewel hypes. 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 Jewel, jewel heisters. Hype <laughs> jewel hype men. What are you calling your jewel heister? A jewel heister? <laughs> a jewel, not a jeweler, because that means you sell the jewels. Not a gemologist, because that means you're that studying means those you're gems. Studying gems. All right, you guys. That's literally a minute and a half of the worst banter <laughs> in the history of podcasting. Why do you listen to this show? And we're we not as- sure anymore. <laughs> we assume it's because of our charm and the stories. Yeah. But probably more of the stories than our charm, I think. I think our charm is wearing. I think it's war. I think it wore off. <laughs> I think it wore off sometime in episode 30-something. Yeah. <laughs> it's all been downhill since. Down They've just been like pressing skip for the, over the openings. Oh, my God. You guys were so happy to be back for another all-new episode. Uh, you guys know we're, we're, we're all new rocking these new episodes for season two. It's been such an amazing, uh, amazing month and a half, couple months almost so Crazy. far. Um, and we're just so happy to get all the all the, the, the love from you guys that you've been sending us, letting, you know that, letting us know that what you like and what you don't like and and all in between so if you guys want to continue doing that you know what to do you head on over to our iTunes our Spotify or our Audible because all three of those locations you can give us stars and reviews yep. and the reviews really matter and the stars really matter the stars matter so much you gotta even know yeah. so if you haven't yet if you're a listener and you have not yet done this what and we know, oh, you know you are because there are more of you who listen than right. who have you know <laughs> so rated. we're keeping track <laughs> so just, just do it just go ahead there's nothing to lose Right. you lose nothing and it's anonymous That's true. You make up a little iTunes name, I'll never know who you are. Just be yeah. like Pixigirl ninety five. Is that nope. like is that your old like <laughs> my AOL name? No. <laughs> Pixigirl ninety five. <laughs> but now we know if there's any alias out there, it's gonna be like if someone ever comments on something Pixigirl ninety nineteen ninety five, it's gonna be Christina. <laughs> uh, but head on over to any of those and drop us five stars and drop us a review, uh, either with what you love about the show, um, what you wanna hear more of, or anything in between. We're so excited to hear it all. I kind of have this vision of myself now as Pixar Girl 95 just going around and commenting on everyone who tells me to tone down the this the my, my voice be like Pixar Girl 95 doesn't think that she's loud enough <laughs> just like commenting it's like next month you guys are gonna hear this comes from Pixar Girl, Girl 95. 95 oh who's that uh, who's that I don't know mm-hmm. uh, but but and and you know that's a really great way to support the show another way to support the show is head on to our Patreon that's patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine for as little as five dollars a month you're gonna get a free episode every month um, and that's pretty exciting and for ten dollars a month you get a free episode and you get access to our Spotify playlist yep. um, which we're kind of revamping um, and it's going to be a, a kind of uh, instead of it being one um, playlist a month, we're going to be creating a, a continuum of playlists. And so it's going to be kind of a, a seasonal thing in which everything that that we mention or talk about or allude to uh, on the season will be in this playlist that you can access. And so it'll be a full season two playlist that grows every week that um, we'll add stuff to. And that's a really a fun little thing. It kind of puts you in the in the mood of the show and um 
it sounds like a, an interesting thing that you guys may want. Someone mentioned it to me. I said, that's an interesting thing. And then, so we're going to try that yeah, out. Yeah, you shall receive. For season two, we're going to try that. And so instead of doing, um, for our $10 above listeners, instead of doing a, a monthly playlist, we're going to do a growing playlist. And it's gonna, you're going to get access to that that no one else has access to. It's private. It's private. Exclusive. But it's for you. Or it's exclusive. But it's private because it's, it's exclusive to you. Right. So that's for $10 a month. If you do more than that, I think if you do like 15 or something like that, we get you like... I think I, I think I mug or something or, or t-shirt or a high five <laughs> or a sandwich. I'll make you a sandwich Ooh. if you give us. Here's the thing. Mm. Are you ready for it? Right. I'm making a declaration here. Oh boy! On episode whatever number this is, if you send us, if you make a contribution of a hundred dollars a month, I will make you a sandwich each month. Oh, okay. And mail it to you, <laughs> or if you live in New York, deliver it to you. Mm. For one hundred dollars a month, you will get a monthly sandwich that I will <laughs> creatively put together. I love a sandwich. If you don't know that, now you know that I love sandwiches. And so, for one hundred dollars, I'm putting it on the Patreon tonight. For one hundred dollars, <laughs> I will personally make you a sandwich. And if you live in a place I can get to in New York, I will deliver that sandwich to you. And if you don't live in the place in New York, we will find a way to ship I will contact you. a deli ah, and give, give them, them very specific, the specific instructions. Okay. And that's what I'm going to do for $100. And for one every month, you'll get the official New York Mystery Machine sandwich. sandwich. What would be on that sandwich? I can't, it's custom right. a month. Oh. It's custom each month. There you have it, you guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> I wish I had this idea months ago. <laughs> I think we'd be getting $100 donations every month. Like, like, <laughs> For $100, you get all the things. All the things. But you also and a get sandwich. a sandwich. That's a dinner one night a month that you don't have to think about. I'm literally putting that on the Patreon tonight. And it'll be there by the time you listen to this because we're recording this a couple weeks in advance. Yeah, if you think that we sound even crazier than some of the other episodes you've listened to, it's because we're recording in advance and this is episode three this night. That's how we do. Well, Christina, hmm. would you be a doll? Hmm. And where are we today? Tell us where we are. We are in Albany. Oh, in Albany. In we Albany. haven't been in Albany at all yet this, this season. No, this is our first Albany. I think we've been, we've been in, in New York City this entire season so far. Uh, Long Island. Long no, Island. yeah. Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. That's it. We're in Albany. We're in Albany tonight. Um, And we are... It's like we've been in New York City this time. We literally started the season out of Long Island. <laughs> literally, you did two episodes on, on Long, Long Island. Island. I don't understand the logic there. But you know what I mean. Long Island's like... It's right next to New York City. Yeah. So, there it is. We're in Albany. Um, and I would like to point out that I think this is the latest in time in terms of my, my, my episodes that we're going or have gone so What's far. What's the year? We will be focusing in the late 90s, 1998. Oh, that's a great year. What was so good about that year? Music. Oh, what came out that year? I'm going to look at the billboard. And guess where you're going to find this? Guess where you're going to find the playlist? Oh. On the playlist. Uh, uh. So, 1998 yes. Billboard Top 100. So that's got to be some Backstreet Boy stuff or some, some Spice Girls Oh, it's good, shit, you guys. Right? It is. It's a good one. Too Close is number one by the band Next. Okay. Number two is one of my favorite songs ever. It's a weird thing that I'm going to say, but The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Oh, I respect that choice. Number three is You're Still the One by Shania Twain. Oh. Number four is Truly Madly Deepy by Savage Garden. Oh. And rounding out the list, number five is How Do I Live by Leanne Rhymes. Oh. It's a good list. 1998. 98's a good one. All right. Well, Put this, it on the list. Put it on the list. All going on the list. 
So we're going to be doing a, a missing persons case today. Ooh, we haven't had a missing haven't persons case one. yet. Um, and I'll say too that it's a missing persons case, and it's still very much considered an active case. So oh, there are still um, there are still hotlines you can call to give anonymous tips. It's still very much open. Here we um, go. So today we're talking about. Um, Suzanne Lyle. So Suzanne Gloria Lyle, or Susie, was born April 6, 1978 in Saratoga, New York. At the time of her disappearance, Susie was a uh, white female, 5'3", 175 pounds with blue eyes and light brown hair with highlights. She's she no longer a white female. <laughs> Does nothing change after she disappeared? Where did she go? She's no longer a white female. She's changed ethnicity and skin tone. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I heard myself say it too. She has a light brown birthmark on her left calf and a mole on her left cheek under her earlobe. And I was uh, about to say, you have a mole on your left cheek. (laughs) I I am the Lindbergh baby. (laughs) I found her, you guys. It's describing you. It's like, oh my God. I was born in 1978. You got me. <laughs> She's got that disease that makes you look young forever. Dracula disease. Dracula disease. Like vampirosis. So you look young forever. <laughs> she also has a surgical scar on her left foot. You know, you're good. I, Checks out. Suzanne was the youngest of three children. Her parents were Doug and Mary. Um, and according to her family, she was always a creative kid. She wrote poetry, loved Rush, and was super into computers. There's even a story about how Susie, as a kid, encountered her first computer and managed to take it apart and put it back together. She used an early form of internet message boards to communicate with others, and her dad would even bring her to meetups. This would have been, what, maybe the early 90s at the time. So this makes Susie a really, really early adopter of the internet and computers and all of these technologies that we've come to take for granted. Not only an early adopter, but honestly something of a prodigy if we think about her ability to take apart a computer at such an age and with minimal prior experience, put it back together. Yeah. Um, Friends described her as creative, pro-LGBTQ rights in an age where that wasn't really part of the conversation. Um, And an enormous animal lover. Um, She apparently taught her cat to say, I love you. And I'm not going to lie, I tried to follow up on this (laughs) point and I couldn't find anything because I really want to know what that sounds like. Um... She was extremely loyal and dedicated to friendships, um, maybe a little bit too trusting, some said, not too street smart. And she was the peacemaker in her friend group. I hate when that were like, she's she's very trusting. It's like, oh, God, this is a missing person's case, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the worst. Uh, she graduated from Boston Spa High School in spring of 1996 and enrolled in SUNY Oneonta. She spent only a year there, wasn't super happy. It took her decently far away, not just from her family, but also from her boyfriend, um, a guy named Richard Condon who was a fellow computer enthusiast. They'd begun dating while they were in high school. There's one story about how Susie's uh, computer in her room would sometimes make a weird clicking noise. And Susie once said, oh, that's just Richard. Because apparently he'd done something so that when he wanted to wake her up or talk to her, he could access and control the computer to do that remotely. Which is cute and crazy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, Adam seems to think this is cute. This is so cute, you guys. Yeah, it's kind of a terrifying idea. Um, so after a year at Anianta, Susie decided to transfer to SUNY Albany, um, which would bring her closer to home and to Richard. 
Now, while at SUNY Albany, and for those who don't know, SUNY stands for the State University of New York. They have lots of locations around the state, Albany being one of them. Um, While she was studying there, she had a couple of jobs. So one was at a computer company in Troy. You'll remember Troy from Hazel Drew last season. Um, We didn't get enough Hazel Drew. Every time I can, I'm going to drop her in. (laughs) And the other job was at Crossgates Mall at a Babbage's. Now, if you aren't familiar, my understanding is that Babbage's was an early manifestation of what we might better know today as GameStop. Oh. Crossgates Mall um, is also an indoor shopping center in an Albany suburb, and it's actually the third largest in the state. Little fun fact for you. So this all brings us to February 1998. Susie had a shift at Babbage's at Crossgates Mall. Her manager would later say that she remembered Susie was really stressed around then about a midterm exam. She said she needed to do more than just pass the exam if she was going to do okay in the class at all. Per some others who knew her, relatives, friends, Susie was very concerned. Her grades were suffering such at Albany that she was worried she would even fail out of college entirely. And it's worth noting that she told a friend this is just like dropped in in the midst of all the reporting um, that she was being stalked by someone she didn't know. Oh, well, that well, you know, that does it. So she took the midterm on Monday, March 2nd and had some additional classes that day until about 4 p.m. On her way to work, she took out $20 from an ATM. She had previously mentioned to her mom that she was sort of low on funds. And then she took out another 20 when she arrived at the mall. She went to her job at Babbage's and told her manager that she thought she did okay on the exam. She worked until 9 p.m. when the store closed and then took a bus to campus. This is a a public bus. This is part of the Capital District Transportation Authority. And I bring that up just because it's not like this was like the campus bus between major centers. Um, It expands like the the whole search of who did this. Right. Exactly. Um, So the bus picked her up at about 920. The driver that night was uh, a regular driver on that route and recognized Susie um, and later confirmed that he absolutely saw her getting on the bus, but he wasn't as sure when she got off. Um, what he was sure of was that she wasn't on the bus when he like returned to the depot, mm. basically. So her stop should have been Collins Circle, which is the stop on campus pretty close to where she was dorming in the Clinton Hall dorms in Colonial Quad. Uh, the driver said she, like I said, definitely wasn't on the bus anymore by the time he got downtown. But another person, someone who was in the same dorm as Susie, uh, did see her. So this person knew Susie really just because they had a similar showering schedule. They'd run to each other in the bathroom. Um, And a recent um, set of investigations, uh, it's a podcast actually called um, Upstate Unsolved. Mm -hmm. It's out of the College of St. Rose and it's part of their forensic forensic science department. Oh, I love that. Shout out to uh, Upstate Unsolved. Yeah, they, uh, they... are in partnership with that podcast and the students are investigating old cold cases from the area. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Um, so on that, they went to, um, they went, they went to the dorm and they like could see, like there's no way you could go in and out of that bathroom and like not like basically run into the person. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's how she knew Susie saw her getting off the bus as she, the witness was getting on at about nine 45. Um, that same podcast that I mentioned, um, they were talking about that that area where the bus stop is at that column circle bus stop. Um, and apparently someone who had been in the uh, at the college at the time was saying that that was one of the safest feeling places on campus. It was always busy. Um, now, today, there is a planned wooded area that's a little bit more expanded than was at the time. Um, 
And it's also important to note that the science building is today where the visitor parking lot once was. This is important. Um, now, at the time, the visitor parking lot was in the opposite direction from where she was walking, theoretically, right? So the idea is that she most likely would have been heading back to the dorm because she still had tests to study for. Uh, however, there's no record showing that she ever made it back into the dorm building. Mm. Um, but again, the same reporter demonstrated how easy it is to get into the building without any trouble, not showing ID, despite not being students. So it's questionable how secure it was even at the time. So we're also pretty sure, well, so here's the thing. There's there's some evidence that's eventually found down the line. Um, her badge, and we'll talk more about this, but her ID badge from work was eventually found in that visitor parking lot. So that's, again, would have been in the opposite direction of the dorm. So how how does it get there? Is it that someone called her over? Is it that, you know, she was taking the long way around? We'll discuss that more. Um, we also suspect that she never made it into the building, or at the very least, that the building is not where whatever happened to her happened because mm. it's pretty echoey, right? So it's inopportune to try to grab someone who would scream potentially in something that could echo so much. Sure. Um, and her dorm uh, still had her glasses on the bed, money on the table. Her suite mate said they never heard her uh, enter the room. So we assume she never made it there. Now, Richard Condon, the boyfriend, was also calling for a good part of the night. He was waiting for her to call him as usual. Um, and so when she didn't call at the usual time, he began calling her dorm. Yeah. She didn't pick up. The next morning, he's the one who called Susie's parents and said, did you know Susie was missing? Because he was like, this is too weird. Yeah. Um, so that's when the Lyles reported missing to the campus police. And the campus police initially dismiss it. They said, this is what happens on campus. Kids go off. She'll turn up. She probably like went away for the weekend or something. And her parents are like insisting, no, she wasn't a party girl. She doesn't do drugs. She had tests. She's not going to miss her tests. Um, and Doug, the dad, went up to the campus to try to figure out what the hell was happening while Mary, the mom, waited by the phone in case Susie called or in case anyone who knew something called. And then Mary had a really good idea. She wondered, were there any transactions on Susie's ATM card? So at about 3.50 p.m., she called the bank. And sure enough, on March 3rd, that very same day that she's calling, the day after Susie was last seen, a steward's in Albany, about three miles from campus, had an ATM. And that ATM had $20 withdrawn from Susie's account at 3.40 p.m. So literally like 10 minutes earlier from when the mom's calling the bank to find out. which is just like remarkable timing. Now the bank, the person at the bank could tell that the correct pin number was used on the first try. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time they couldn't um, tell where exactly the ATM was. So we later find out that it was at this particular stewards at the time that Mary's calling. They're like, "I I don't have the address because apparently back in 98, you had to wait till the next morning for that information to be received by the bank which is super frustrating when you think about it because it was 10 minutes earlier um eventually um i'll say that there is a man that's found on camera at stewart's around the time that the withdrawal um was made um he's only ever been identified as the nike man in public because he was wearing like a nike cap yeah my question was going to be in the security camera to see who was using that at the atm itself apparently not oh wow which is kind of crazy too when you think about it What was Um, was the ATM? Was it a bank ATM or was it like a private ATM? That's a good question. I don't know. I I just know that it was at 
at the Stewart's. And I guess it can't I was, be the bank ATM because the bank would have an ATM security footage. Like if it was at a bank. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I guess I'm also like wondering. When I, to, like, when I go to Chase Bank, there's cameras there's a camera. everywhere. Is that true in 1998? I'd assume though. I would assume. It's where your money's being held. Right. And like an easy, obvious space for someone for to robbery. Like, right, I mean, exactly. People like get people notoriously were robbed in right. those ATMs. Yeah. In because you know, the bank is locked and it's, I mean now right, you, right. it's still a, a primary spot for, right. for a robbery. To right. Um, you trapped in there. Which yeah, it does make me wonder. Maybe it is just the private like, stewards like ATM, like a private ATM. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. Um. So. Yeah. We'll talk more about the Nike man, but this is the only person that, you know, maybe was around the area. Um, now, theoretically, only Susie and Richard know Susie's pin. Remember, it was you. It was correct. The correct pin was entered on the first try with that ATM. So apparently, Mary told the police at the university in front of Richard and his parents that the card had been used. And Richard stood up in shock and said, only I know that number, which kind of a weird move to make. But I guess maybe also, I don't know. I'm always suspicious of, like, the partner in these. Yeah, I'm always suspicious when someone, like, it's like you outwardly say something in order to make it seem like you didn't do anything. It's like, that's impossible. I'm the one who knows that number. Right. I'm like, hmm, you're the only like, one who why knows you say, that why, number. Why are you saying that? Like, why is that something you need to say? I don't know. Also, like, but it also could maybe it's genuine like, shock. How could that be? Yeah, it could have been genuine shock. So. And they don't want to believe that. She like bounced. Right. You know, you don't want to believe right. that that that's a situation. That's, right, that's exactly. always the last thing you want to believe that someone just like left their life. Right. Went into the night type thing. Yeah. That's not the last thing you want to believe. Right. Like you. Well, right. You want them safe. And but like. But it's sad knowing that they're like, I'm leaving my life and don't want to talk to no one about it. Yeah. yeah. Not letting you know type thing. Yeah. Um, we do. So the camera that does catch so-called Nike man um, does show that he was using a series of one dollar bills and that he bought. Uh, a lot of ticket, a cup of coffee. So it may be a red herring, right? Because if you withdraw $20, how is he showing up right around that time with a bunch of $1 bills instead? We don't know. Who knows? Can't say for sure. Um, and the ATM is not giving you singles. Right. Exactly. Um, so the police and Susie's boyfriend um, and boyfriend's family played up the the potential involvement of Nike Man in a big way. Um, the Condon family even got like a billboard with like the composite of his face trying to um, like get people to report him in. Yeah. So, so you know, they they were really like adamant about it. Which could be awesome or terrible. Or terrible. Right. Like and this so, poor guy who had nothing to do with it. Just wrong place, wrong time. Exactly. Um, eventually they, they did end up um, finding Nike Man and the police were able to question him. Um, in fact, they were able to question everyone that was at that ATM 30 minutes before after Susie's card was used. Um, worth noting that Nike Man was questioned six times, mm. which is kind of a lot. Um, he was a convicted rapist. And it turned out that he had served time for rape in Troy in the 1980s. And he was a cook in the cafeteria at U Albany. Oof. And the police tried real hard to figure out how this ATM usage fit into the case. Um, but honestly, we still don't really know for sure. Ultimately, no no charges are brought against Nike Man um, yeah. regarding this. So, Yeah, and I, and I think that it's tough, right? I like to believe that People who serve time should should should, should have that time served, and mm -hmm. you know if if they serve their time, right. determined to be innocent, you know, in, mm -hmm. in life past, like they can just work their job and like live yeah. their life, like they shouldn't have to be 
the number one suspect in a case right. because they serve time. Right. So it's it's still a big question mark. Yeah. Eventually, the police do a shoulder to shoulder search of the entire campus, um, and it's literally what it sounds like, right? Like you you make like you move out in a grid or in a circle from a point. You're shoulder to shoulder, and you just walk in a straight line looking for anything and as soon as you find anything everybody in the line has to stop and wait for someone to come over and examine the thing and collect the thing and document whatever the thing is um but they found nothing they found nothing that seemed to be related to this um it is worth noting that that's a lot easier to do in an open field than it is in a you know an urban or suburban campus because you have lots of things in the way but be that as may, um, it was a few months later after this search that some students walking alone found that name badge um, that I mentioned earlier and it was sticking out of the sand. Now, Susie disappeared in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a particularly snowy winter. Um, so the theory is that it was sticking out of the like whatever sludge was like pushed to the side from like street cleaning. Um, it was worn, it was rusty, it was definitely Susie's. And interestingly, it was an old badge. So the Babbage's name tags have been replaced in December of 1997. And this was the badge that was no longer used. It was no longer the style badge. So it wasn't the one that she would have actively been wearing or using that night. So where did it come from? Yeah, without having access to it. Was it in her backpack or her purse or a coat pocket? How did it end up there? Was, Was it a recent drop? Is it, you know... Was it dropped at the time of whatever happened, happened? Or, you know, there are a lot of questions around that. Um, It is interesting to note that apparently one of the things that Richard's mom, Donna, would say to Susie at times was that if anything ever happens to you, throw something out of your pocket. This way people know where you are. Could that be what happened? Oh, geez. And I will say that there's been a lot made about this. Um, Even the investigators in the case have been like, that's just weird. Why would you say that? Like, that makes you look weird and suspicious. Flip side, I have been known to pluck my own hair out of my head when I'm in a cab that um, I'm like, mm, it's just uncomfortable enough that I might die, but not so uncomfortable that I'm getting out of the car. And also this place maybe looks even more like maybe I'll die than it, if it I just, just stay in the car. So I've put my DNA places. And I'm it, like, well, at least I'll find my body. But it also just, can you just like, share your ride or let someone know these are in the are. days before ride okay, okay okay this is like you know aught seven okay 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 i thought it was like yesterday no no i would have just shared my ride then because i feel like that was a. I know. mean it's a great invention the the sharing of your ride location but yep. in in the before times and in the, in the in the it was just hair it was just hair it was just and i thought DNA. i was brilliant i was like at the cutting edge of like this is how they're gonna find my hair in this car they're gonna be like yes and which also means honestly like my hair is all over new york city and mm-hmm. um they may never find my body yeah I mean, they also, at the same <laughs> she night, was everywhere at the same night, it's like well she's also found all these other cabs so clearly <laughs> unless we want to bring every cabbie in for questioning we're never gonna find this girl i also shed like a son of a gun so like yeah I, i'm yeah my dna is everywhere everywhere like, my hair falls out like nonstop. yeah um there's also another interesting sort of maybe red herring, maybe a clue, but it's, it's I think, interesting to mention. Um, so it has to do with a blender. So in the summer of 1998, 
Suzanne's brother was going to buy a blender and Mary the mom said no take the one from the garage apparently Susie had gotten it from her grandma when she was moving to Anianta for school and it came with Susie to U Albany and was just in a box under her bed when she went missing and then it came back to Susie's parents when the police brought her belongings to the Lyle garage so Mary took it out thinking heck I'll clean it first and when she takes out the blender at the bottom of the box is a piece of paper she said it was like a quarter of an eight by 10 sheet of paper, the right hand bottom corner. And on it, there was an address for St. Peter's Hospital and the OBGYN department. Mm. And on the other side, there were notes in handwriting that said mother's name, address, date of birth, mother's insurance. It wasn't Susie's handwriting, she said. But they don't know whose it was. But it also made investigators like, could she be pregnant? Could she have been pregnant? Mm-hmm, Is mm-hmm. this somehow something involved? Um, because at the very least it's on a piece of paper that was put at the bottom of this box under Susie's bed, which is kind of interesting. And that in many ways is the bulk of the physical evidence that we have for her disappearance. It's otherwise she's just gone into gone. the air. Um, so I say we're going to take a little break and then we're going to talk about some possible theories. That sounds good. We'll be right back after these messages. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black and white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Missing Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus... BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox valued at $35 when you sign up for multi-length plans. Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff such as mini episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we are back, back. and um, 
trying to find this girl. Yeah. So Susie Lyle, 1998, has somehow just walked off into the night into thin air, it seems, right? Casey and JoJo are blasting on the radio, and she's nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Um, Casey and JoJo's All My Life also made that list, you guys. It was top 10. (laughs) So... um, we have very little evidence. We've got that badge in the visitor's parking lot, which is the opposite direction of she would have been going had she been going back it's to her dorm. It's an old badge. It's an old badge. Um, we've got that weird note at the bottom of the blender. We've got a couple of offhand remarks, things like there's a guy stalking me and I don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, and then there's the guy, the Nike guy. And then there's the Nike guy. Um, but we're going to start first with the person that while looking into this, I kept going back to because boyfriend, boyfriend, you always do Richard Condon. So they met through her computer friends. Um, when they first met, it's worth noting they were both in high school. Their parents were there, but it was in the context of computer message board meetup. Um, Oh, wow. Your nineties are showing girl. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and apparently early on, Richard was like really interested in dating Susie right away. And at first she was reluctant or not interested, but eventually that clearly changed. Um, it's important to know that Richard and his parents have spoken to the police only very early in the investigation and don't seem to really do media things like they were cooperative up to a point, but, um, they don't do media. They haven't really agreed to continue speaking with the police since then. Um, so we have to really go on her family's and friends observations in terms of what their relationship was like. So they went to different high schools. We meet up on weekends. There was often a chaperone because somebody would have to drive one of the kids. Neither of them drove. Um, We don't know exactly when, but at some point, probably right after high school, um, they did briefly break up, though eventually they did get back together and continue dating right up to the time that she disappeared. Um, Others say that maybe they broke up right before she disappeared. Um, and we can talk about that. And they're just friends now. No, they they oh, they, they broke they, up. They, bro- they broke up and then they got back together. Oh, okay. So they were dating again by the time she was missing. Theoretically, yes. Okay. Um, one of Susie's cousins said that um, when they broke up, Susie had commented that she hadn't liked Richard Richard's possessiveness or control over her. Um, and so this cousin was pretty surprised when they did get back together. Mm. Uh, Mary, the mom, had even said that she wished that Susie would have gone further away to school. She thought that the distance would have been good to, like, you know, meet other people besides her high school boyfriend. Um, Susie's older sister said he wasn't really outgoing or friendly, but that maybe, you know, it made it a bit harder to like him. Um, There was tension between Susie and her parents because she was well aware that her parents didn't really like him that much. Um, and even less close friends noted that there was always sort of like a tension between Susie and Rich, not the best relationship, but she always played it really close to the vest. So no one really knew exactly what was going on. Now, like I said, Rich hasn't really spoken much after some initial police interviews, um, saying that he would only continue with a lawyer present. The Lyles wanted Rich and his parents to take polygraph tests. I don't believe that they have. Rich told Doug, the dad, once that, um, he thinks that the, the badge that was found could have been planted by someone, but... He doesn't know why she would have gone left to the visitor's parking, although he he or the parents did admit that they would meet her there on occasion to pick her up when they would go to like his house or something. Um, now, recently, that podcast I mentioned, Upstate Unsolved, um, spoke with senior investigator Jim Horton, who is now retired, um, and he shared a little bit more information that had not previously been revealed. So Donna, Mrs. Condon, Richard's mom, wouldn't let police talk to Richard alone, even though at the time he was very much the age of majority. He was about 20. Um, Horton said that within the same week of Susie's going missing, 
when he stopped by the Condon household, Richard was there with a girl about his age and that Horton said they seemed close, like closer than just friends. Although the girl said that that's all that they were. Um, a couple of weeks before Susie went missing, she apparently gave Richard a letter. Um, what was in the letter is sort of unclear. Um, we don't really know. Um, when Susie was home for the holidays, despite normally spending an inordinate amount of time at the Condon house, she spent more time at her parents' house, more than in previous months or in the, even in the previous year, which was sort of unusual. Um, and she was described as being sort of off or reclusive around Christmas. Um and so then there were also some weird things that his dad did, Dick Condon. Um, so during that summer, Dick Condon said that he had seen Susie on his truck route, 45 minutes to an hour west of Albany. And the investigator was like, when? And Mr. Condon said the other day. And the investigator was like, are you sure it's her? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, why didn't you stop and go over to her and get her? Well, I had my truck. You guys would have given me a ticket if I parked my truck on the street. Like, mm. okay. Well, you know, let me know if you see her again. Um, and then a couple, I forget how long later, he was like, yeah, I absolutely saw her again. But I was turning and I couldn't stop. And so at this point, the investigator is like, bullshit. He didn't see her. So he said, here, take my state police cell phone. You call me again if you see her. And so they put surveillance on him and... You know, this investigator Horton's just like sitting by his desk waiting. And sure enough, eventually DeContin calls him and says she's sitting on a park bench in front of a Stewart store. He gave the clothing, the description and the undercover investigators who were following him were like, no, it was an 80 year old woman on a park bench. That was not Susie. So is he a liar or crazy? Um, some have speculated that like so Rich used to like be a bit of a braggart about like oh i'm a hacker i can do like all these hacking things or whatever um and i'm a a good hacker i can do the hack hack and so some some speculation has been like you know the condon family weren't rich but they had some really nice things like a super nice car and like a campsite so you know is, is there some awkwardness around talking to the police because he'd done some unethical things with his hacking like you know financially or whatever um unclear um the upstate on self podcast also found that they the contents owned a boat and a car at the time that were both sold shortly after Susie went missing um they own a property that has a trailer with a concrete base that they'd owned since before her disappearance Mm. that Richard's alibi for the night of the disappearance was that of a friend named Justin who said that they were playing a game at different locations but that Justin knew it was Richard because of the moves Richard's character was making um Two years after Susie went missing, Donna, again, this is Richard's mom, lost her dad. And in that obituary, it listed a newly adopted grandson named Jason. But the podcaster couldn't locate any more information about this grandson or who he is. So I think that's brought up mostly in terms of like, was Susie pregnant? Is that where this adopted son came from? Like, what's going on? Um, And if that's the case, like, then more people know what happened than that they're caught. So ultimately, it's important to note that um, not speaking to the press or the police without representation or not taking a polygraph test, which isn't admissible anyway, and like being a little weird does not indicate guilt. Right. Like this is this is innocent people do all of these things. At most, what we can say is that it makes it like really difficult to understand the relationship or what he thought about the investigation. But like ultimately, there's nothing that actually links the Condon family to anything related to the disappearance. So moving out from that that theory um 
there is a man named Israel Keyes. So, per the College of St. Rose Cold Analysis Cold Case Analysis Center, so the ones who are in partnership with that podcast, I'm just going to read this quote from their website in its entirety. In a recent development, CCAC, that's the Cold Case Analysis Center, um, CCAC students have begun to look for a connection to the serial killer Israel Keyes, uh, whom advisor Dr. Christopher Kunkel identified as a viable suspect in 2018. Keyes traveled across the country to commit his crimes and was known to have caches of weapons scattered throughout the country, including a location approximately three hours north of Albany. There is reason to believe that Keyes was in the Albany area during the time of Lyle's disappearance based on information that students gathered and that was corroborated by Josh Hallmark's True Crime Bullshit podcast. Prior to Keyes' death in prison in 2012, he did not disclose any information about his victims or their whereabouts, with the exception of three. However, the True Crime Bullshit podcast noted that Lyle's name was found on Israel Keyes' computer, included in a list of other missing persons known as NAMUS44. Through continued research investigation, the students at CCAC are exploring all potential routes to uncover the truth about Susan, uh, about Suzanne Lyle's disappearance. So this serial killer, who only disclosed three of his victims, was had her name on a, a list of other missing persons. I mean, that feels like, you know, really, really, you know, a thing. Yeah. Why her? Right. That's a crazy coincidence. That's a crazy coincidence. Um, but there's another person who is on this list. So there is a man named John Regan. So John Regan has been um, arrested and tried for several fairly violent offenses. Not fairly, violent offenses. Um, so... In 2005, on Halloween, he drove from Connecticut to Saratoga Spring to try to kidnap a cross-country runner. He drove um, and parked as close as he could to her car, and she, the runner, went to open the door, and he tried to pull her into his van. Jeez. Now, she managed to get away. She was screaming, and the coaches heard and intervened. Regan got into his van and drove away, and one of the coaches and teachers, like, even got into their car and, like, followed him for a while, which is, like, super brave, I think. Yeah, you don't do that. No. Don't follow the... You don't know how dangerous he can be? And eventually the... But kudos. Yeah. The police stopped him, and when they checked the van, he had what is called a murder kit. There was a tarp, slip knots to bind someone, construction tools. He was a handyman, but still. Um, shovel and liquor and a syringe with a sedative. Um, a, now, he'd a, been... previ right He has a murder kit. Um, he was previously, um, I believe, already um, on trial, possibly convicted for a previous assault of a woman. Um, there was a, a rape that he was... Um, accused of in between um another sexual assault and this attempted abduction um he was reported by some walgreens photo tech who was like he's trying to develop pictures of women that he's clearly stalking like it's weird surveillance shots of women getting in and out of cars and out of their workplaces and into their homes um so there are potentially other people connected as victims to this person, too. So he's a stalker. Susie said that she was being stalked. Um, Regan had connections to the area as a traveling salesman at the time of Susie's disappearance. And there are some weird gaps in his criminal career. And that's probably not because he just didn't commit anything in those years. It's probably because he just wasn't discovered and hasn't been discovered as associated with things in those periods of time. This Walgreens guy, <laughs> he reported that like to the police. Yeah. Good on you. I, know. I was impressed. There are a lot of like oh, unsung heroes in the story. There are a lot of unsung heroes in the like, story. Like he's like, this is a weird thing. I'm developing all these photos with 
clearly people are being stalked. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't, I don't got to be quiet for this. Yeah. There's no like Walgreens employee person in privacy. Right? Good on you. Yeah. No, I was, I was really impressed with that. Um, Cause you know how many people pre like digital photos mm-hmm. had to develop photos of people who are clearly right? being stalked. Right. Isn't that fascinating? It's something I never really thought about, nothing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's worth noting that a month after Susie disappeared, um, another student, a Mark Bernstein from New Jersey, went missing. But because of poor reporting on the part of the campus police, he wasn't reported to the state investigators investigating Susie's case. He had gone down to New York City and no one had heard from him. His parents didn't know for 18 months that an unidentified body found on the tracks of New York City were his. And so one, it, I always am like, is that related somehow? But also it just shows like what shoddy campus security there was. I just like. That's crazy. Yeah. We found in New York City. I'm like, what, the train tracks you said? Train tracks. And the cops here were like, we we can't identify him. And he wasn't reported to the state police. So he wasn't entered into any sort of like. No one's looking for him. No one's looking for him. I mean, his parents were, but. The campus police were sort of reluctant to pass it on. Jeez. So talking about unsung heroes, this is actually a really good segue because some unsung heroes are Susie's parents themselves. So in the years since her disappearance, Susie's parents dedicated themselves to preventing this tragedy. Blech. In the years since her disappearance, Susie's parents dedicated themselves to preventing this tragedy from occurring to anyone else's kid. So, for example, New York State passed Suzanne's Law, which, quote, raised the age at which local police must inform the National Crime Information Center of a missing person from 18 to 21. There have been other laws as well, too, uh, related that have been advocated uh, for by the Lyle parents, um, including things like requiring campuses to have plans around missing students and protocols for how, when, and to whom these things are reported. Mm. Um, now, Doug Lyle, the dad, did die some years ago, um, but Mary Lyle is still active fight together, fighting fight the fight. They had together founded um, like a like a nonprofit to help other parents of missing persons um, to give advice and support as they they work to find their children. Um, and per a recent CBS interview with Mary Lyle, she said, quote, you can never get over it. There's always that hole in your heart. It'll never heal. It's the worst thing that could happen to a parent. Mm. Um, but she still answers calls at the call center to help other parents who need My help word. with that. And so it is an active investigation. Um, you can call, you know, if you if you are listening and you know that something or like know yeah, people who were in out. the area, like they are actively looking for tips. Um, it can be anonymous and you I know. mean it's over 20 years ago but that doesn't mean that it's it's all yeah. hope is gone right and honestly bad bad news is better than no news right and I, yeah I, I I think it was this podcast that I was listening to was talking about like a lot of people don't talk about closure in these situations as much as they talk about resolution because yeah, yeah. it'll always hurt but at least you know what happened yeah and so many of these missing pe- persons cases um whether it be this one um Sneha you know, all the people we've covered in season one mm-hmm. It's always it always comes down to the the people not knowing is the thing that it destroys them right. It's just yeah. the not knowing. It's like if they're if they're if they if they're dead, at least I can mourn them as mm-hmm. someone who has died. Right. But to not know just leaves so much yeah un, so much unsettled. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So if you have any information, you you know, we'll post the hotline, all the mm-hmm. Christina will post all the information for you. And uh, if you have information, you know, you yeah, you head on over. And so um, if you have any uh, 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 other thoughts on on what may have happened to 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 Susie, you just you know how to reach out to us. Head on over to our our socials at NY Mystery Machine on Facebook or Instagram, or at what NY Mysteries on the Twitter, and. Um, you know, if you have ideas, thoughts, we will talk about them yeah. at the end of season two. We're going to bring all of your thoughts for season two's uh, all all back together and see if we can hopefully try to crack some cases. Well, yeah. uh, thanks for uh, a tough episode. Thanks for doing the work. And um, I've been Adam Mays. I've been Christina Marinelli. And we'll be back next week. We'll see you next time on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts.